You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. Very excited to be bringing you this live episode with John Robbins and Ellis James of the John Robbins and Ellis James Podcast. Or even the Ellis James and John Robbins Podcast. No, it is the first way around. I'm fairly sure that's what it is. Um, You should check that show out. And if you like the sound of this and you'd like to come and see uh, another live show at the Soho Theatre, then the guests are confirmed. I can announce that on the 20th of February, we have Paul Chowdhury. Brilliant comedian, Paul. Incredible live experience. I've seen him recently at Top Secret. Um, He's done the Apollo a couple of times. He's got a couple of DVDs you can buy. Um, And he, like, I mean, professional ones. That's not like out the back of a van. Um, And he is really, he's kind of a divisive figure in some ways. And he is an incredibly uh, energetic comedian. He's some energetic's the wrong word. He's got a kind of brutality to his act that is really, really uh, exciting to watch. So Paul Chowdhury on the 20th of February, the 8th of May is Jeremy Hardy. Now, Jeremy is someone I've been listening to since I was a teenager. Um, I used to listen to Jeremy Hardy speaks to the nation on Radio 4 with Debbie Isaac and Gordon Southern. Was it Gordon? No, it wasn't Gordon Southern, was it? Gordon Kennedy. Of course it was Gordon Kennedy. Um, and, uh, I absolutely, I've just been a huge fan of Jeremy's for years. I haven't seen him live in a long time, um, but uh, I've been catching up with some of his work and very, very excited to have Jeremy on the show. He's on the 8th of May. Um, There's a gap there in the middle because I'm going to Australia. So from the 20th of Feb for Paul Chowdhury, it's 8th of May for Jeremy Hardy. And on the 5th of June, Joe Brand herself is going to be on the show. The superb Joe Brand. Um, So do go to SohoTheatre.com, sort your tickets out for those. Remember, if you're a fan of the podcast, then the code VERA, V-E-R-A, should get you a discount at the checkout. This is John Robbins and Ellis James. Please welcome John Robbins and Ellis James. We're trying to arrange ourselves such that we're visible. Thanks, men. Thank you for joining me. No worries, mate. No problem. All right. Um, it's quite small chairs. Is that and, and the table's small as well. I'm not having. This is all normal size yeah. stuff. <clears throat> to be honest, mate, we're used to playing much bigger venues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that one with significantly bigger yeah. chairs. <laughs> the chairs were too big at some of the venues. <laughs> actually, actually spoiled the show, but still. 
It's good to go old school. This is how it was when we started out, you know, small chairs, small tables. Well, we, where we were doing um, <laughs> open mic Q&As. Yeah. <laughs> just used to turn up at those uh, pubs yeah. in Cardiff and Bristol and just, just riff a Q&A. Yeah. <laughs> just one bloke at the bar, absolutely furious. We were ruining his Saturday afternoon pint. Yeah, my process, it's an interesting one. <laughs> I'm just going to pop the iPad off. Um, yeah, thanks. I was implying that I don't need to answer any questions. Oh. Thank you. I'm sorry I ever doubted you. <laughs> One woman in the crowd on board. Um, <clears throat> thanks for coming on to the show. So you have both individually uh, been on the Comedians Comedian podcast fairly recently, at least more recently than John. And I was surprised and uh, overjoyed to hear John thoroughly take the piss out of Ellis by dropping in segments of his interview to, I'm, I'm going to say, make him sound pretentious, which I, you would probably disagree with the sort of structure of that sentence. Well, one of us has got to come up with some content, haven't we? <laughs> so beforehand, before you arrived, John, uh, Ellis, was, you were saying to me that you would never have done that to John. No, because it, it wouldn't have worked, because the thing with John is he is completely falls out about his pretentiousness <laughs> and wears it on his sleeve, whereas I find it hugely embarrassing. The and reason thi- you didn't do it is because you didn't think to do it. No, but <laughs> there's, there's also that. But um, if, if you want to look at, the, at why the show is funny, it's because John does things like that to me, but I wouldn't do them to him. And it's a spo- I suppose it's a kind of status thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Which, which well, I, I think that's a bad example. I think, <laughs> yeah. you're, I think you're, you're, the point you make is absolutely correct, but um, you, do, you very rarely spring surprises on me. Yeah, because I'm too worried about how you'll react. <laughs> <laughs> and is, is that you're worried about how he'll react in an emotional way? Or yeah, from because, the point of because view of- John will... One of the reasons I, I love doing the radio with John is that he... No one told him, seemingly, that occasionally you have to hide your emotions on the radio. <laughs> so he is the only broadcaster in, in, in the history of radio to do an opening link by going... <sighs> <laughs> that, that, that breaks every single radio rule. I've, I've never met anyone else who does it, and I think that is why people like it. But if John's had a bad day, the, the old sort of... Any, any of the old theatre maxims of, you know, tits and teeth and all that sort of stuff and putting a brave face on it do, do not apply to John whatsoever. There was quite a funny moment about two weeks ago when I introduced you at the start of the show <laughs> and you sort of sort of said, how are you doing? And then you sort of just out of politeness went, and how are you, John? I went, awful, yeah. this is Green Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Liz, it occurs to me that while everyone in this room is completely on board with what we're all talking about, for the sake of any people uh, listening at home or wherever they are, could you briefly describe what your radio show is? Because this is very unusual for the podcast, for this show. It's quite unusual to have a double act on as like a radio double act. It's a commercial indie radio show that has got wildly out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. Can it be commercial and indie at the same time? And is that a deliberate game yeah, on your it's, part? Yeah, Radio X plays the, 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 the poppier end of indie music. But the thing is... But it, that's indie music rather than it being an indie show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They've, Radio X, or XFM as it was always known, but, no, beforehand, <laughs> rather, they, um, 
they've always had they've always had comedians on. So there was Jimmy Khan, Russell Brand, and Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, and Adam and Joe, and Adam and Joe, and they had they had a gap, and our agent John and I had always wanted to do a radio show together, and this gap came up, so we were put forward for it. And we'd never, I don't think we'd ever been on the radio together beforehand, had we? Um, we'd both done radio in our, in our own right, but never together. But we made a demo, and then suddenly we were on air. And now. <laughs> but it was actually part of a series of um, demos slash auditions made by various comedians yeah. and double acts and friends. Which we didn't know at the time, which I think was absolutely crucial. Yes. Oh, you felt like it was so... you'd been specially asked to do a thing yeah, rather yeah, yeah. than you were And then they released this sort of week of shows, and I was like, oh, we're not going to get that then, are we? Because we're. Yeah. And then we did. But our, our, um, uh, our schooling was in our sort of weekly chats we had for about eight years <laughs> from yeah. petrol stations around the country. Because we, we got, to, I think, my third gig was John's second gig or something. So we've known each other since the, the very beginning of stand-up. And then you hit the same... <laughs> That's another sort of biblical... Oh, well, right. not another... <laughs> it's just yeah. me, you and Peter Cook, wasn't it? XFM, as it you was know, always known in, in Genesis. Yeah. But in a way, Jesus was a kind of stand-up, wasn't he? <laughs> um, the Sermon of the Mount was just a really tight five. Um but so we've known each other a very long time, and then you hit these sort of career markers at the same time, or or not at the same. Well, time. not quite at the same time. <laughs> Here's Green Day, <laughs> or four um, years behind the other person, depending but on factors. We would always we'd we'd, <laughs> we'd call we did our first enemy shows at the same time. We'd call each other a lot. You know, we were we were very close from the start, so we always made sense. We'd always kind of fantasised about doing a radio show together. Um, I think because. Uh, Russell Howard and John Richardson had one on Six Music and jo- John was on that and Rod Gilbert has one on Radio Wales and I'd guessed it on that quite a lot and it was both something we enjoyed but then I don't think we expected it it's, you know, it, it, the podcast in particular has become very successful and I I don't think either of us expected that Don't you can't say no, that you expected no, I, no. that <laughs> I was thinking about this today I expected us to make each other laugh, but I didn't expect. And then we'd get else. the sack after about six months. Is what I thought yeah, would happen. Okay. But I knew, I knew we would enjoy it. But yeah. I, I don't think you ever really know if anyone else would enjoy it. And I, and I thought it was going to be a thing we would do for a bit, and then we'd look back on it fondly, and it might lead to some other stuff. Okay. But now it's the, you know, the, probably the biggest thing in podcast our in the world <laughs> <laughs> just going back to that demo the original demo that you recorded how similar is that to the... God, this is like classic albums <laughs> <laughs> so so going back to that that original demo how much of the style of that is similar to what you do because you've been doing the show for three years now yeah so when you did that demo did you just think we'll just do what makes us happy we'll just do an honest version of what our friendship is John, and see if it works John, or were you trying to fulfill a certain John idea? might have a slightly different memory of it to me I haven't listened to it for you know three years or something but because I had done quite a lot more radio than John initially I was I sort of led the program and John was I mean he was <laughs> I suppose my co my co-host and then we realized that that wasn't working and now John leads you know the big links quite often and there was a, I think because I had slightly more experience of doing radio, that it made sense to us. And then it wasn't really working. 
Is that because of the status thing you mentioned before? Possibly. I, th- I think um, I think we did do two demos, and the second one was the one we we submitted. I think. Yeah, well, we sort of split um, split the sections fifty fifty. But I think what was crucial was that we'd met with producer Dave beforehand. Yes. And we'd actually come up with a format for a show with features and stuff in. Because I think the danger is that if you are two comedians who get on, you and there are a thousand examples of this on podcasts, but you just think, oh, we'll just meet up and we'll just chat. But you that's no, you can't do that. You can do that on a podcast, but you can't do that on a radio show because a radio show has to has to have a, a, a structure a framework, to it, yeah. a framework. So you can be very funny in conversation for hours as long as you don't have to have an audience, a live audience. So I think that's probably what they picked up on was that we had a good chemistry, but also we'd thought about, yes, you know, the fact that other people were listening as well. And what were the items? What were you, what was the framework that you were doing there? Were you doing the same ones? That- uh, Sacred Cow was in there, I think, which was a thing we did for the first year of the show where we would discuss bands that are venerated and one of us would criticize okay. them. The other one would defend them. That was definitely in there. Cause I'd done that. At the I'm end just of smiling because I'm thinking of silver linings. Uh, <laughs> recent episode. Um, oh, textual healing was in textual there. healing. Yeah. But no, I don't think when plays on, mm, I don't no, think. that was in our second or third yeah. live show. So, um, I would imagine it would be fairly, I'd imagine it'd be fairly similar. The thing I've learned from doing, it for three years is that after about three or four months, I was sneakily worried. We might have discussed this that we were going to run out of anecdotes and and life to mine because I'd repeated a, an anecdote about Rachel Stevens <laughs> like three times in six weeks. Or something. And I started getting a lot of abuse. I've heard your Rachel Stevens bit, mate. And then and then. And and from what I remember from the early podcasts, it's sort of anecdote tennis between John and I. We, you know, we had a whole lifetime of stuff to discuss. And then um, I think what we've become quite good at is that now John will throw me an idea. Like on um, on last week's show, I think it was, John suggested that I'd had a coal mine dug, especially in my parents' yeah. back garden. <laughs> and he just threw that idea at me. He, did, he, didn't, he hadn't told me beforehand... But then I just run with it because once you learn that you can run with it, and usually you'll you will end up in a f- it, with a punchline eventually. <laughs> um, that didn't happen when I did uh, serial killers of the UK for winner. <laughs> <No. laughs> some some things you just can't run with. <laughs> yeah, that is true. But I think that's what we're. I think that's what we're better. Certainly, that's what I'm better at now is taking one of John's ideas and. Um, building on it rather than looking through the, my Rolodex of six anecdotes <laughs> and thinking, when can I fit in the Rachel Stevens one? Because <laughs> it's been two years. Did you have reservations when you originally submitted your demo about the the station being kind of laddish? I sort of feel like I feel like you're the least laddish thing on it. Having said that, I don't know a huge amount about its other output, but I guess it's kind of it's pitched at men. Um, no, because there's a slight confusion over that in that um, that was um, an advertising campaign when they rebranded from radio from XFM to Radio X. And we were always very confident that they just let us do what we wanted because we were on the Sunday 10 until 1 slot, which had been the Adam and Joe slot and had been the Ricky and Stephen slot. And Josh Whittacombe had done that slot as well. And they had never told Josh what to do. 
and Josh was himself. So I, I never for one second thought that they were going to ask us to mention page three or anything. Come on, add it up a bit. Um, but also, it, well, it certainly wasn't like that, and I don't really think it's like that now. That was only when they, they rebranded as Radio X, that that was a, um, a leaked marketing research yeah. presentation. And if anyone who's ever worked in marketing or advertising knows, that's the kind of depressing language they speak in in terms of demographics and target audience and that. So any, any company has that sort of thing for certain campaigns and things. So when did you first get the sense that it was going to be such a defining show for you? When did you first get a sense that this is, it was kind of more successful than you were expecting? I think it's when we set up the show email address... <laughs> Lots of guilty laughs there. We were one of the first shows to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's that kind of creative vision being ahead of the curve. It's been at the sharp end of technology. It's like when Apple brought out the click wheel. Yeah. So suddenly suddenly you were able to have long form um I mean, it sounds like I'm plugging email, but <laughs> the thing with email is that there, there are no limits, and obviously there are. A, it's it doesn't it doesn't know boundaries. There are attachments you can link to us, but um, we started having long form engagement with our listeners, and then we realised that it it meant quite a lot to some people. Whereas before, it's just texts and tweets, and it's usually about the stuff that we're you know we're talking about on air which could be you know cream eggs or pipes or whatever i think <laughs> <laughs> but only those two topics yeah. i think in my head it was when you start to get where not just an individual show but the back catalog of shows begin to have a narrative so there are th- the the first time we because we never planned any catchphrases or anything like that. But as soon as you have something that sticks, yeah. and, and three weeks later you think, oh, we've got actually got a thing. Yeah. And then you have six things, and then you have 12 things. And then it's like you've sort of got, a, entirely by accident, not by design, but you've kind of got a little world. Yeah, and a that little... is impenetrable to anyone, <laughs> but it's, to the but casual it's, listener. But it's not, it's, not, it's not impenetrable because we yeah. are constantly... Dave tells us to, but also I think now we've learned to reset what we're talking about. So at no point would we ever want someone to tune in and go, oh, this isn't aimed at me because I'm not part of their gang. However, it's sort of very inclusive church. Dave was absolutely integral to that because obviously we hadn't hosted a show ourselves before. And in the early, I mean, in probably, I don't know, the fourth or fifth episode, uh, we, uh, John and I had been arguing over the right way to make coffee in a cafetiere. I was just, I was thinking <laughs> yeah, of that yeah. exact thing just then. So uh, I think you should stir. John thinks that's sacrilege. So we decided to make a coffee on it. I mean, it sounds absolutely <laughs> rubbish, but we decided to make two coffees on air and then do another a, radio first, <laughs> and, then, and then do a blind taste test. Um, and what had happened was it, 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 it had become more about the argument than, than good radio by this point. And I will never forget Dave going, Reset! Tell the listeners what you're doing! You're making coffee because of an argument! Yeah. Because we'd had to prepare, we'd had to set up what we were going to do. And then a song had played. But then we came back without yeah. having explained. So yeah. anyone who tuned in during that song, yeah. why are these two guys making coffee on a radio show? This says nothing to me about my life. Yeah, and he, he he used to say that a lot. 
because often argument, not you know, discussions would would carry on over songs, um, and and in the first few months, Dave was always telling us to reset, and then it becomes second nature, and he doesn't very rarely tells us to do it now, but um, he was he's so experienced in making radio that he was ideal for us because he was a laugh. I mean, I mean, he's probably bollocked. He's probably bollocked us twice, like big bollockings. Oh, I mean, I think I speak for all of us when I say, what had you done? <laughs> well, we, we discussed this in the tour show. It was, um, you get these things called live reads where um, you're going to shoot a paper that's, and it's, it's an advert for something. <laughs> something that uh, you might not necessarily wholeheartedly uh, believe Well, in. yeah, and what had happened was John, <laughs> whenever he gives them to John, <laughs> John... <laughs> John, John pretends that Dave has given him something from his own personal like, extremely right wing manifesto <laughs> <laughs> and, and he <laughs> he'd accused Dave of some really terrible things <laughs> he's never He's never told us off about those, has he? No, he hasn't. He hasn't, absolutely. Because it's always funny and it's always, it's always left unsaid. It's always implicit. It's really funny. But it was for quite a big competition. And it, I think we were giving away a holiday to Thailand. And because, and because it was sponsored by Chang Beer, which obviously is, you know, um, uh, it's a slang term for cocaine. And, and the holiday was to, to Phuket in Thailand. <laughs> I, John wasn't trusted with those two. <laughs> too dangerous a comic mind. <laughs> with those two ingredients. So, so and it, it must have been a really big thing. And obviously, you know, that is Dave's, Dave's job is on the line. So he, he'd, um, he'd given us quite a stern talking to during this, the song beforehand about how we had to take it seriously. Uh, but I, but I, I was on my phone. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course I will. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, I will. yeah, fine. Um, yeah. So then, so I, so it, 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 he said, so I'd like Ellis to take it. So I got given this sheet, this, the verb or whatever it is ends, and I realised that I don't know how to pronounce uh, Phuket. So I, so I think, well, what would be the most culturally sensitive thing to do? Well, obviously Welsh is. Phonetic, so I said, "We're giving you the chance to win holiday to fuck it," <laughs> and uh, he went absolutely ballistic. <laughs> well, I got in more trouble because I got, I was like, "See what uh, you could have picked me to it, Dave." He gave it to Ellis. He thought it was more trustworthy. All I was going to say is that here at Radio X, we like a night out on the Chang. And, uh, <laughs> and then he went like proper serious, yeah, Dad. like <laughs> Daddy's cross with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Immediately went to Green Day, <laughs> and then we played four songs on the bounce, which has never happened before. Because it was like, I'm 36, I've been told off like that for 25 years. But he was so angry. One of, You've one... got to try. You've got to try. <laughs> one of my questions was going to be: Does producer Dave outrank you? What is, oh, what by is... several yes. ranks. Yeah. Okay. And it's you know it's for the it's for the best that that he's he's the boss because it would he he does keep the show on the road. I think now I, now I think we do a, a half decent job of it. If if he was if he if a quarter to one 
you know, he was ill or something, I think it would be fine. Obviously, although we wouldn't, well, we wouldn't know how, what button to press. <laughs> yeah, there'd be no music. <laughs> well, all conversation. Yeah, there'd be silence, but we'd have a very, we'd have a very well formatted chat. Yeah, in the studio. But um, yeah, certainly in the early days, we need we needed someone to to keep an eye on things. So this is John and Ellis, and if you've listened this far, then you're clearly uh, super into it. This is, I, I make no apology for how full-on this is in terms of uh, its, what's the word? It, I don't know that this is the most inclusive episode, uh, but I think for fans of those guys, and you know I've mentioned their podcast on the show many, many times, I'm a huge fan of uh, John and Ellis, so <laughs> I always stumble. That, that sounds suspicious. I'm a huge fan of, uh, who are they again? I always panic because I always say either John James or I get confused because John like Robin is a f- is also a first name and so is James so I get very confused Ellis James and John Robbins thank I mean I say I get very confused I've known them both for years but whenever I try and say their names together I, I get uh, all twisted up now the point I'm trying to make is that uh, this is not necessarily an entry level episode I think there's a lot here to enjoy um, it will certainly help if you check out their podcast first and uh, I am imagine if you've made it this far then you are someone who has done that because uh, otherwise it, it could be fairly impenetrably coded uh, the conversation that we're having we'll get back to them soon remember sohotheatre.com for the forthcoming live comedians comedian podcast all with individuals uh, 20th of february paul chowdhury the 8th of may is jeremy hardy and the 5th of june is joe brand another little advert this is by the by i recorded a podcast recently with rachel paris absolutely brilliant improviser comedian musician singer and uh, that episode is coming out soon if you fancy doing your homework you can catch her show best laid plans live at the soho theater from the 6th to the 8th of march so if you're in london or near enough to get there do go and check that out watch her stuff online that episode will be coming out very soon and of course you can get all of your info for the tour at comedianscomedian.com forward slash tour that's not for the the live podcast show that's for my own stand-up show if you're someone who was lucky enough to be subscribed during uh, over christmas and you've got a copy of my album uh, an hour then uh, it is a completely different show to that but if you like that then i'm sure you'll love it so come along in pool in dorset in south end or in any of the uh, the numerous places i'm going to be playing over the next three months it's like 15 dates then a trip to australia to do the melbourne comedy festival and then another 15 or 16 dates back here something like that so thank you to the cavalry who've been getting in touch. You can do that info at comedianscomedian.com with the subject line cavalry. If you'd like to put up some posters for my for my show, if you've seen me live before, or if you're just very confident that it'll be excellent, uh, you can do that and support me that way. Uh, and thank you to everyone who has been donating recently. There's been some very lovely emails, lovely messages from people. Um, I am noticing that more of you are getting in touch and saying, whoa, really enjoyed giving me a stand-up, which is very, very heartening. I promised I would never use the word heartening the bloody word doesn't exist as far as i'm concerned the word is encouraging heartening only exists in the sense of disheartening and even though it's probably in the dictionary i just don't think it's the right word it's like bloody what's the word that oh god um irre what's what's the word oh god there's a word my friend pepe used to use um irregardless it shouldn't exist it should be either regardless or irrespective but so many people have got it wrong for so long that the word irregardless with that stupid double negative now is actually in the dictionary which is deeply upsetting to me 
but completely beside the point. If you're someone who would like to support the show, then please don't let me stop you doing that. You can go to comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate and you can support the show with whatever you think is appropriate. You can give me a... uh, a one-off donation to uh, to help me, you know, help sort of with the upkeep of the show and all the time I put into it. And uh, and Daryl, who edits it, I I, I pay Daryl a tiny stipend or a stipend. I don't know whichever one's cheapest. And uh, I also have to you know travel places and go and see stuff and um, you know take time out of my actual proper working life in order to do it. Um, so if you would like to support it, then you can do a one-off payment um, of if you if you do me a, if you're one of the very few but lovely people who pay over 50 quid you go in a special folder called super donors <laughs> i'm doing nothing with that information just yet but uh just just so you know and if i get a lovely email from you about uh, mental health and along those lines or the fact you've this show has maybe nudged you into having a bash at comedy yourself or, or something like that or improved your life in some way then you go into my make it made a difference folder so i don't know why i'm telling you this <laughs> this is just the minutiae of how i administrate at this end so if you would like to uh get in touch you can do that info at comedianscomedian.com or tweet me at comcompod i'm terrible at twitter as you'll know and i probably only get but i mean i try and get back to everyone in some form or other uh, even if it's just clicking like but that probably won't happen for sort of five days after you tweet me i've just got so much bloody admin with the podcast to do including a sensational guest for episode 200 and then another absolutely enormous one shortly before that so i've got a lot to do i've got a lot of research that i'm doing so that i cannot look like an absolute bellend when interviewing people who have got a phenomenal output i always get cringy and embarrassed oh god god i've got i've got to see nine shows now on youtube so i can catch up with this person's phenomenal oeuvre so um uh, all of that to come. Uh, yes, I was talking about so one-off donations very much appreciated. A super donor you can become for uh, for yeah, not it doesn't mean anything in your life. It's just your sense of satisfaction and my email folder. Um, but equally, if you would like to set up a recurring payment of, for example, two quid, but other options are available, those are all on that page as well. Comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate. And I'll be, uh, I don't know if I'll be eternally grateful. I can't guarantee that, but I'll certainly be very grateful in the moment and whenever I think of you going forward so that's all of that um hey listen uh, last thing fan art so there was a, we went through a little spate a while ago and I, I don't know if i kind of made enough of it at the time i was really impressed i was really uh, pleased and uh, heartened no i can't say it uh, pleased and uh, uh grateful for to see people sending in stuff on the the comedians comedian facebook page or you can send stuff uh, to me direct on email um and we all know you simply have to be on email these days uh, then you can do that. If you want to do, I mean, people occasionally do pictures of my face. You've got to be good to do something with this long, pointy, foxy nose of mine. Um, but if you want to do something about either horses, if you're a post-ambler, uh, or waffle irons, or whatever else you think is appropriate, then by all means, post them on the Comedians Comedian Facebook page if they are particularly breathtaking. We might even talk about trying to turn one into a poster or a t-shirt or a, at least a badge or something fun like that. So uh, if you fancy getting involved with some fan art please fire away that's all for now let's get back to john robbins and ellis james yes right order here's the boy hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So the the audience engagement that you were talking about that came from when you started getting long form emails from people is that a case of you? Because I, I can't. I'm wondering whether there was a particular way you fielded those emails and engaged with the audience. Because well, I suppose what I'm asking is, to what do you attribute the success of the show? If you had like a a magic formula that you think you've struck upon, what well, what is that as you see it? I don't think it's necessarily how you format the the emails when you're responding to them it's how the emails are formatted when the people obviously f- feel a connection enough that they want to get in touch with the show and share an anecdote about their life or something that they've been going through with you and i think that's what that's where that spark comes from because i think be- because we talk quite uh, there's no sort of persona there's no like radio voice we put on no because you can't sustain that you can sustain that for five minutes if you're doing an interview to plug a talk show, but for three hours every week, you cannot not be yourself. So, well, are you, I think you can if it's, you're on your own. Yeah. But yeah. I, think I feel like I've heard other radio DJs oh, do yeah. exactly that. That's, I yeah. think, the sort of the exception is that because if, we know each other so well. Yeah. And John wouldn't let me get away with pretending <laughs> that I was someone I'm not. And vice versa, yeah. I think. But, so then what then happens is when you're being um, very very honest about what you've been up to. And I don't mean honest in inverted commas in kind of a, an intense way or a sort of um, earnest way. But you, I think it's quite unusual for someone to listen to a, a commercial radio program and have someone tell them uh, a story about that had a breakdown on the way to Ikea, like a mental collapse <laughs> Like someone might do a thing about, oh, I was in bloody Ikea the other day and uh, got home and well, uh, bloody parts was missing. So if you had a part missing from uh, something you bought from Ikea, do get in touch with the show. We love your Alan Key anecdotes here on, <laughs> yeah. But but whereas, so you hear that a lot. <laughs> That's quite you, a good feature. We should do. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't often hear someone saying, I'm describing a breakdown in Ikea and then going, and then I was navigating home, but I had an updated home in my sat-nav, so I drove the wrong way in bad traffic, and then I wanted to die. Yeah. And now think, it's time for Green Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think people then, when they hear that sort of thing represented in maybe a, a medium where it isn't usually represented... Then they go, oh, yeah, that reminds me of the time I went to John Lewis with my husband and we have a blazing row. I'll tell them about that. And then when you get that email about the row in John Lewis or whatever, if you deal with that in an amusing and deft and sensitive way, then you've got this sort of exchange where people feel that if they if they'll accept you opening up a bit on the radio and also you when if they then open up with you know that they can sort of trust that story. And if you do read it out, you'll be sensitive and you won't make fun of them or you know it's a sort of a, a safe space it's a yeah it's, it's a kind of contract. but a funny safe space yeah. not a sort of a not an earnest safe I, space. I also think um there is something uh engaging about listening to two friends talk because we you know 
we we really like each other, <laughs> um, but that's not a lie. And and it really saddens me when you hear about double acts or you know sketch groups who don't get on or bands who don't get on. I I I really love the the, the gang mentality that you get in the in the best bands and stuff. And like Adam and Joe were clearly friends, and that is why it was funny because they they bounced off each other and and um, there's something. I think there's something compelling about listening to two friends talk when they've learned how to do it in a, in a vaguely amusing way on stage for 10 years beforehand. Because obviously, you know, we, we got on in 2006, but by the time we were on the show, we, we'd had 10 years experience of being vaguely interesting on stage. So, you, you know, you can, you can manage the chats that you would usually have and make them a, a broadcastable thing. But then by listening to people who are friends get on every week for three years you you feel like you know them that's the thing that we get a lot of from emails is that people feel that they know it and you know they they do i suppose because we're not we're not making any any of it up i mean you inspire an incredible amount of uh of kind of um trust i suppose and camaraderie and i mean literal devotion from them Like, I mean, if you, you presumably have got the kind of... I mean, I, the most recent episode, I think someone came from Australia and was on the show. Oh, oh yeah, Scott. that's Scott, yeah. So Ellis did... drove him to Cardiff. Because <laughs> 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 he used to, came on the show because he'd come all the way from Australia to see... Was it a tour show? <laughs> he came to see us at the Kentish Town Forum, but he made, he'd, never been to, he'd never been to the UK before. He'd always wanted to go to London. So he came to he came to Dancing with Dave on the Friday night. Yeah. And then he came to see me do a gig in Shepherd's Bush. And then on the Saturday he was on the show. And then he had tickets to see Wales play um was it Bosnia or I can't remember. He only had tickets to see Wales play Bosnia because, because Ellis of likes Ellis. Welsh football. Yeah. And it's much less sinister than it sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah he was a he, nice guy. He seemed like an incredibly I was, I was stunned by how normal he was. Yeah. He was <laughs> So I then, was expecting him to come in with like a dripping package. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> copy of copy of Catch and the Dry. I, I slaughtered it myself, mate. <laughs> but then, so they were sign my book. <laughs> he was in the studio, and during a track, he was sort of. Ellis was saying, "I see how you get into the game," and he went, oh, I think I've missed. I'll get the bus, but I think I missed it." And I could just in my head, I was thinking. Oh no! <laughs> He's never going to offer. And there he sort of, and, the, and Ellis was sort of, like, oh, you think you'll get there in terms of he was sort of googling how far it is. And Ellis, you sort of get, and I think, fuck, Ellis is going to drive into Cardiff, <laughs> and he did, and he was perfectly yeah, lovely. He was, he was lovely. But and they I discussed uh, industry, in, industrial, yeah, we discussed uh, loads of stuff. But it's just he'd he'd come all this way and he had a match ticket. And he was already going to the game. And his, I thought I can't let him miss the game. So, and he was all, he was clearly, because he'd come to Dancing with Dave, which is a club night that producer Dave runs, and then he'd come to the gig, and then he'd been on the show and had been fun, and then he had, he was doing that, and then he saw us in Bristol on the, uh, on the Sunday, and then in, I think the Kentish Town show must have been on the Monday night, and then, but he just had a week of annual leave, and fancied, and it gave his holiday. (laughs) 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 But it, I, I, <laughs> I think it gave his. I think it gave his holiday a, a, a sort of framework, and then he, and then all the uh, the listener, the PCDs, the podcast devotees, as we call them, 
sort of got in on it and, you know, he, he met them for a drink and they looked after him a bit. And I think he had a great time, but he was a totally normal bloke. Um, I mean, it sounds insane, but it, it, he's not, he just, there's a podcast he likes and he likes football and he thought it'd be a cool thing to do. But then we had him on the show and he, that was that was funny as well. But is there is there a kind of another dimension to that whereby you have people who are worryingly committed to the show? <laughs> Obviously, not anyone here who may or may not be armed. But I know that you know if I... they if they'll be here. <laughs> I think. But I remember when I was a, already a comic. I remember listening to Adam and Joe, and that was, in terms of my sort of non-career comedy life, that was my the most important part of my week when I was driving. And I remember once sending them an email, <laughs> and I'd not met either of them through comedy or anything like that, and it was long, long email, and it was intense... And funny, I thought, but more intense than funny and long. And um, and I was like, I'm a relatively normal chap, but that email was long (laughs) and intense. And on the next show, they mentioned um, the emails they were getting and they sort of made a joke about sort of saying, and uh, if you could just not... If you could try and make them as short as possible. <laughs> I remember and I just that remember, oh God, my face was burning. So I've been that person scaring Adam and Joe. So I know what that's like because you do, because they're in your ears. And it's not just the sound, but it's because most people listen with headphones. It's like, it's like they're your, they're like in your mind. So it's understandable that people feel very strong connections to it. Because I, it's not like watching stand-up on telly. No, I was, um, I was a, a, a huge fan of a couple of bands. And I would travel the length and breadth of the country to watch those bands. And I read the books that they read and all that sort of stuff. And, and I, I, So I, I have been a fan and I am a fan of things. And I don't think that's particularly strange. My entire teenage years were devoted to Gorky's Zygotic Monkey, <laughs> Super Furry Animals and the Manic Street Preachers. And that's so. So I, I don't think it's weird. I think uh, the, the thing that took me by surprise, well, I'd done stand up for ten years. I don't think I had any fan. I, there were definitely people who'd been to every one of my Edinburgh shows, but I was probably on a checklist. You know, I was on I was on a few people's spreadsheets at Edinburgh, and a few people had seen things I'd done on YouTube and stuff, and said, "Oh yeah, Ellis, I, I I've seen him. I like him." But now I would I I accept that we have fans in the way that. Adam and Joe did, or, you know, Russell and John did on Six Music. And the fact that some of the emails we get are heartfelt doesn't surprise me or wrong foot me because I used to send drawings of Ian Rush to Anfield. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) wonder what they did with them. Do you do you feel a, do you feel a responsibility <clears throat> to your fans? Yes, absolutely massive because we get we get we get emails especially from because we've talked about being down and and being depressed on on the podcast. And you know, 
everyone knows someone with depression and everyone knows someone who's had you know tough times and i think there are definitely ways of dealing with that in a in a sensitive and diplomatic manner and some of the emails we get are very brave i think and i would like to think that especially those kinds of ones that one of us will reply if we don't do it on the show i mean i'm saying this out loud now and probably some have slipped through the net and i will feel absolutely horrendous about that but the the because there is, you know it's a it's a brave move the other thing is um uh i i started to get stage fright when i was doing stand up which i'd never ever had i'd never ever been nervous but then i would turn up and do normal circuit gigs and 5% of the audience would be a fan from the radio show and suddenly i felt a like i had to be amazing and b even if even if the gig was rubbish or i didn't like the rest of the bill or i didn't think they'd like the rest of the bill i would feel tremendous responsibility over that it stopped me putting in gigs i didn't like yes absolutely because really? you feel terrible for the people who've seen yeah. your name on x24.com oh, and thought oh they're doing he's doing the comedy night and yeah. they're there and it's and, it's and you see them or, or you get an email from them afterwards saying oh i saw you and you're like oh don't come to that one yeah. that's yeah. not for you that's for tourists and yeah Normal if you had people. asked me, I would have recommended one you'd have enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and I, 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 I have largely stopped certainly doing a lot of circuit gigs now for that for that reason. So because I less Radio Four a foot in the bill. <laughs> be, be, <laughs> be, because because I, I felt a huge responsibility and and uh, and and so I was I was nervous and I'd never ever been nervous before. Um, but I, I wasn't nervous when we did tours. The other thing is, especially when we discuss, you know, people with depression or whatever, I, because it's an improvised show, occasionally, this has happened to every single stand-up comic, you will, something will slip out that you don't mean because you're in the moment. And I think we're both quite hot on use of, probably politically correct, this is a slightly loaded term, but sensitive language because I don't want someone who is about to email us to think, oh no, they, they're just like all the rest, and that would really, that would really bother me. I did. I did a gig um, last week where I used two words. Yeah. Uh, in uh, improvised bit, that I as soon as they came out of my mouth, I thought, ah no, you don't say those words. Yeah. And it was just uh, one was bitch. Uh, and the other was... And he wasn't referring to a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the other was um, retard. Um, and I, th- I said something like... Um, oh, that's... Com- I was talking about people who sort of um, do certain stuff online. And I was like... I said something like, that's retarded. Just like that. And as soon as it came out, I thought, oh, I can't... No, ah, I can't get it back in. Get it back in your mouth. Because it makes you hyper aware of the sort of language you use, whereas in in sort of when you're on stage just riffing, I mean, we all have moments of interaction with the crowd where you go in too hard or you say the wrong thing or you may be a bit mean where you don't mean to be. And you just have to accept that if you're doing 150 gigs a year, there's going to be two where you have a bit of a shame memory of it. But I was just thinking, oh, God, there are people in from the show and they all think I'm a bad person. Because as John called me after the show, and he said, I used two words that were not in the Robbins canon. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. But, um, 
So I, I, I used a word at the Cardiff Glee about three years ago, which I wish I hadn't used. It was retard, actually, I think. And um, I felt awful, but no one, no one will know and no one will remember because it was before the show. And I remember I was doing a very rough gig in Camden and it was the second week of January and I hadn't done a gig before Christmas. And you know, you get a bit ring rusty. And I, th- I used the Get a bit word. what? Ring rusty. It's a boxing term. It sounds like a medical term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you know, you get rusty then. Uh, and I used it. I can't remember what it was, but I felt dreadful. But I thought, everyone is absolutely hammered and no one will care. But now there would be a listener in. And because of that, we attract a certain kind of listener. And I'm, I'm also extraordinarily proud of the kind of people who listen to the show. Because we never get emails from dicks. Never, ever, 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 ever. And that is because... I, I <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you when you think about some of the sh- some of the emails, oh other, yeah, yeah, when yeah, you think yeah, about yeah. what other shows get, oh, I'm thinking about texts in. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, we get a lot of <laughs> abuse on text. Why are you so boring? I used to like Radio X, and then you came. Yeah, that, that's different. Do, do you get that? Do no, you get we, that we actually get far fewer than than I you'd th- expect. That <laughs> 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 he would be entirely justified. Yeah, I think probably a ballpark figure. In three and a half years, I'd say we've had less than 20 negative texts and tweets. And I thought it would be like half and half. Yeah. It's, um, it, is, it, is, it is rare. I expected a lot of it when we covered Johnny Vaughan, actually, because, you know, he has his own listeners and we are different to Johnny. And we didn't, we got, we probably got one every, every couple of days for five days. And it was fine. But it is, um, in the same way that it, sort of um, makes you conscious of the gigs you do and the, what you say on stage. It has dramatically improved my stand-up, I would say. Yes. And it has meant that I can I have to sort of shed all uh, stand-up persona because it wouldn't make sense if you listen to someone talk for three hours as themselves to then come and see them at a gig and for them to be a different person. I mean, obviously, you're slightly heightened and, the, you know, you, there are more conceits when you're doing stand-up. And then you you may have told an anecdote on the radio, which you then tweak a bit when you tell it during stand up. That's fine, but in terms of the sort of the person you are, it, it sort of has made me be more myself. I've mm. done Edinburgh for ages, but if I if I did do Edinburgh, the thing that would excite me would be I could just do previews in front of PCDs. Be honest, mate. <laughs> it would be the <laughs> it would be the dollar. But then, but then. That's a the sellouts. <laughs> but then, and then I would perform in Edinburgh in front of people who listened to the show because, um, you know, I did, I did four Edinburgh shows. And by the last one in Edinburgh, I had definitely people coming to see me because they'd seen me in the past. But at previews, you're turning up in Derby or Chesterfield and you, you could be in the back room of a pub and you, you have to make the show funny. Whereas now, like on when we did the tour... I didn't change the way I spoke at all. Whereas when you do stand-up for 10 years, you are constantly monitoring the language you use because of your surroundings. I think also the tour came about um, because, partly because we were doing gigs and noticing people coming who listened to the show yeah. or them emailing saying, oh, we saw you at this gig and thinking, well, it would be nice if we had an event where we could ensure that it was tailored towards them and not towards the drunk guy in the back or the stag do at the front who, you know, if you're spending 15, 20 quid on on a Saturday night to go to a comedy club because you like one of the acts and it's ruined by a, a, gr- a work group, 
we know that happens, but when you've got an interest, it's like having mates in. Because you're like, oh, this is a Christmas gig. Why did you come to a Christmas gig? Well, they don't know that Christmas gigs are awful. So it was nice to be able to create gigs where everyone, yeah, home was, everyone was on the same. Yeah, everyone was on the same page. Which one of you, and I'm, I'll ask this question to both of you, which one of you is most likely to become too successful and leave first? <laughs> I, th- I think you'll get the same answer from both of us. <laughs> um, well, it would be Ellis. But I don't think... Because? Because he's more successful than me. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons it's funny, I think. <laughs> Because John is funnier than I am, but for some reason... He's not pissed anyone off. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> all the people we started out with who I pissed off because I was being a complete tool or was drunk. Ellis was fine with, and yeah. they all give him opportunities now. <laughs> Whereas I, th- I imagine all of them take glee in, in withholding those opportunities from me. And, yet and, and been, I absolutely understand And yet I've that. been so loyal to John, even though he's made it very difficult for me for 11 years. <laughs> we used to, um, when, when I used to live in Bristol, I'd call Ellis in a state about something. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, this person doesn't like me. And Ellis would say... John, I am the country's leading Robin's apologist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting in such groundwork yeah, in London. I, I wasn't, I'm, I am. I'm, <laughs> Continue to be. I am assembling an army of Robin's apologists. Yeah. Oh, he didn't mean it like that. No, he was fine. Listen, I, he hadn't eaten. And he gets, <laughs> he gets very funny if he hasn't eaten. Oh, we both do. Yeah, yes, absolutely. But, um, but I don't think... I can't imagine... I can't really imagine... To, us certainly in the short to medium term not doing it maybe taking you'll you'd need time off sometimes for yeah uh, commitments (laughs) whereas i am available 24 7 uh it it is a a, i mean if you looked at our cvs it it would be me but um (laughs) uh it's it's acting wise Stand-up-wise, I think I, yeah, that's I, true. I, I, that's I, I've true. kept my uh, toe in the water. But, um, Which is why it's so frustrating that Radio 4 didn't select me to <laughs> present their series of travelling stand-up shows. Because yeah. they have selected a man who broadly doesn't perform stand-up anymore. <laughs> I'm about to do it after this. I'm about to do a charity gig. But anyway, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a priority because we, we've, got, we've both of us have had so much out of the show... And I still, I th- I personally think it's still as good, if not getting better. And so, I'm mean, obviously, you know, some people might disagree, but I think if we were running out of steam, it would be an easy decision to make. But as long as we're still having fun and the shows are good, I just love doing it. It's I, also, I absolutely love doing it. In in stand up, is so hard to create things that people can have and listen to and keep. And what is a real um, honour is being able to generate so much stuff, have so much fun doing it, and it to be there. So I sometimes listen back to old podcasts. I would never listen back to old recordings of myself doing stand-up, and nor would I let to anyone else. But it's so great. <laughs> I believe they're available to buy on Bandcamp. Two of them are. <laughs> but, but, like, imagine having... Imagine having 150 hours of stand-up. On, I mean, that'd be awful. Some of it would be. <laughs> imagine how bad it would be by the 153rd hour. 
<laughs> you'd but, be running out of ideas, wouldn't you? But in a sense, it's a sort of uh, it's like sort of perpetual motion. It's a self-generating vibe. Yeah, I, that, that's what we should call our next tour: <laughs> the self-generating vibe. It tour. does. Um, it does. Um, it, it occasionally amazes me that we always have stuff to talk about, and. Um, but sometimes, I the last one I listen back to our last one, and I'm in a mood for the first two links. Again, that is why I think people like it. <laughs> I think there's there's actually probably an argument to be made that um, people who listen to the radio show or casual listeners get something very different to the people who listen to the podcast and who commit to the hour and ten minutes it is, because certainly. I think if you were flicking through the stations, you might, you might not want someone going, God. Yeah. <laughs> but I but think the, you, buy, in, the, you the, buy into it over the course of... The honesty of it is really important. But how could it be any other way? Because I couldn't... I think you're particularly bad at pretending. You're the worst person I've ever met for pretending. But no, that's... that's I don't think that's I, true, actually. <laughs> because sometimes what gets you through or what gets me through a particularly rough week is being able to know that at seven minutes past one on a Saturday I can go this is Radio X I am John Robbins and to my left is you know uh, Lantrasant's third greatest farm hand (laughs) but it's almost like you've got that it's like you've got to be there and that bit, even if it's just that first bit, then you can sort of snap out and go into a bit of a radio brain. But that doesn't mean it's not sometimes a bit... If you hadn't heard the show and you're listening to this podcast, you'd think it was so indulgent, and it's not. And nor is it dour. No, because John's actually at his funniest when he's a bit annoyed. <laughs> Either, I mean, it's, it's, it, like, it's slightly easier for me to work with when he's giddy, because he laughs at everything. But I think he comes. I think John comes up with his funniest stuff when he's had a bad week. But when, on the very rare occasions, he's luckily, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, is there an argument for ruining John's life? I mean, what more so? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I mean, his relationship breakdown couldn't have come at a better time for me. Because I'd been quiet over Christmas, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank God they were pre-recorded shows. Yeah. That would have been been impossible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Luckily, we had them in the can. Yeah. There was a a beautiful noise from the audience that I don't think the mics would have picked up of someone over here going, Oh... (laughs) So I just wanted to uh, repeat for the sake of its emotive quality. Thanks, mate. Um, to get off the topic, but not in a, not necessarily in a good way. Um, we've got about, we, so we've got nine minutes left. So there's time then to ask you this: I don't get Queen. Right? <laughs> I don't get them. I don't get it. I mean, fine, totally fine, but I don't get it now. My question is, my question is, can, can Ellis explain why Queen are so good to John's satisfaction while John stays silent? <laughs> Freddie Mercury is a 
an esteemed showman. <laughs> Brian May is the best person at making his own guitars out of fireplaces there has, <laughs> there has ever been. Uh, Roger Taylor, what a character. John Deacon, the opposite. Uh, <laughs> um, obviously, the songs have sing-along quality. Uh, <laughs> uh, the empty stuff, riff heavy, if that's your thing. Um, with the dawn of the 80s, Reagan and Thatcher, they discovered the synth. And... and yeah, a, a whole new d- dawn was broken. Um, you know, I, I mean, John John likes big music. And they are big. Thanks, Ellis. I think it'd be funnier <laughs> not to give John any opportunity. How did Ellis do? Factually very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fireplace, a knitting needle, and uh, some a table and mother of pearl. With Buttons his... and a motorcycle valve spring. With his so dad, the, uh, so it... the tremolo is actually on a knife edge, which means it doesn't go out of tune. <laughs> Apart from that, broadly accurate. Didn't he make it with his dad? Yes. Yes. The Red Special, that's what it was called, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. You see, now, I, 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 you know, I, Queen now play a role in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Let's quickly go to the audience. If anyone in the audience has a question for the lady in the second row there. Does it help to be emotional on the show? And were you directing that particularly at John? I thought I wouldn't. I wouldn't say we were emotional on the show. I would say we were. Uh, uh, well, by emotional, I mean I don't think we are ever overcome with emotion. I am emotional in the sense that sometimes I am angry or I am I don't ashamed we... or I am frustrated or I'm sad. But you're over but with never... you, you emote on the show. You don't, yes, you don't... I am, yes. I don't think we overshare. No, I don't. I want to pin. I want to pin John down to that. Does it help? Um, I don't get naked at parties anymore, so I'm guessing it does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's this. It's a. I think it it helps because part of you thinks if you can normalise that talking about that sort of thing without. The kind of cloud of, we're talking about mental health problems now, so everyone needs to be very serious and be very accepting of this because it's a very important issue. And that kind of way that makes English people go, oh, God, someone's talking about mental health problems and now I need to make sure I'm really cool with that. But no one is cool with it because it's in this sort of dour, you know, sort of like advert on a poster on the tube, which I agree with, but it's in that way. But whereas if you're just going, how are you? Oh, I'm sad. I have had an awful week, A, B and C, I've made it funny, which gives you permission to laugh with it and also makes it much easier to engage with. Because the problem is if you put too much um, too much weight on uh, talking about mental health issues, people think, well, I'm not like that, so it's, this isn't me. Whereas if you're just talking about having a breakdown in your Fabia on the way back from Ikea, everyone listening to that goes, I know ex- that ex- exactly what that is like. Without them having to, that doesn't require them to go, I have mental health problems. You know, it just goes, I'm no, I felt awful this week. Everyone feels down. Everyone has mental health problems. And I think the ideal is that you talk about mental health in the same way you talk about health. So if Ellis talked about doing his knee in at the gym, you know, think, oh God, someone's talking about their knees. (laughs) This is really awkward. (laughs) But if you say, I'm. 
I'm sad because my life has fallen apart and my bookcase has fallen apart in the same week, <laughs> on the same day. Then people go, I know exactly. And, and you never, ever, ever know what's going on in someone else's life. The amount of people over a, a difficult last few months, but the amount of people who've said, how are you? And I've gone, I can't answer that question without getting upset. And they've gone, really? Because I, I found that I have the same uh, place in central London where I go to cry. As someone else I know, but I didn't know that about them. And it only happened once, but we, we, we shared a, a crying nook. <laughs> I have several of those and I didn't know that they were called that until now, so thank you If you've been affected by the knee problems Alice discussed <laughs> Exactly, it doesn't need to have that kind of that, <laughs> that, Thank you you would, you would say, if you've had problems with your knees uh, yeah. Give us a call, you wouldn't need to go <laughs> Yeah do, do go on mine's website <laughs> At yeah. the end of a link Thank you. That was a great answer and a great question. Thank you very much. So, a lot of pressure on the next question. Uh, there's one over there. That was beautifully phrased. I'll repeat that. Would you care to share the most pissed off you've been with each other on air? Um, I annoy John by turning up late, and it really annoys him. And I turned up late about, I don't know, six weeks ago or something. And I can't remember what I was doing. There was a reason for it. I'd missed a train, and then the, the tube had let me down. And I was really pushed, you know, cutting it fine. I mean, was... I allow for that eventuality yeah. anyway. <laughs> but so. he was, he was, he was, he was really noticed, different know, approaches. Uh, I'm the same. I notice you're wearing shoes which you can run for a bus in if you need to. Yes, yeah. I also have a separate pair of shoes for walking across the field to the bus station, the train station, so I don't get mud on them. Nice. But he was, re- he was really... Sorry, that's an no, unrelated... No, no, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> no, no, totally on board with that. Totally fine with me. But he was, re- he, was really, he was really quiet for ages, and I knew I'd, I knew I'd, I knew I'd pissed him off. And I, and I do, do try my best. But I don't think... I, John, John almost, I don't think John's bothered me once, apart from occasionally I've thought, come on, mate, well, I'm here now. Turn that, turn that smile upside down. But I think. But what was crucial? I don't think that's the phrase. No. Yeah, that's the frown. <laughs> that's probably the website you have to visit after the show. Uh, frown, frown, frown. That should so be our catchphrase. <laughs> turn that smile upside down. That's the Netflix special. That'll be. But what? What the thing that? What's and I understand Ellis has a child. I do not have a child. That's, that's my and his decision. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't my decision that John doesn't have a child. No, and it, and it certainly wasn't my decision that Ellis had one. <laughs> but when that happened, it's probably happened like three times where I've, I've got in at like midday and I've read through, you know, 40 pages of emails we get sometimes and humble brags and we get sent stuff in and I've sort of made sure it's not poisoned <laughs> and then Ellis comes in at like 12 minutes to one who goes oh, sorry I'm late I missed it and you think oh, that, that now that what's annoying not is that he's late is that I am I am now in charge of all of the stuff because Ellis doesn't know any things but what's crucial is that when that does happen instead of me it coming out as bad radio in a in a in the track when Dave is out of the room I will go you've got to start turning up on time because this isn't fair. And Ellis will go, 
you're absolutely right, that's really sorry. And then it's gone. Yeah. So you don't get that situation like with bands or other double acts no. where <clears> these <throat> things, because that's a healthy way of dealing with it. Yeah. Every, everyone is late. Everyone. But apart from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it's only a problem if you don't go, mate, this has annoyed me. And then they, they go, I'm really sorry, it won't happen. Then you can carry on. We haven't had a single argument. And I've never left the show, as in at four o'clock or when we finished at one, thinking that was hard work. What an idiot! This is this is a this is a different thing. This is this relationship is has become toxic because that's what it is. John will be quiet. I will apologise. He'll ask me to pull my socks up. I will agree that I will try. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we then we move on. But we haven't, you know, you hear about some people having these huge bust ups and that, that's that's never happened. We have we sometimes when we're in the car we'll have fantasy discussions about what would have to happen for us to oh, yeah. fall out. It yeah. usually involves <laughs> terrible things happening to your family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I don't I just don't get annoyed at people. So, John essentially has free reign, but he, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't take the piss in that sense. But I, I certainly would never bear a grudge against John. I'm, a, you know, I'd, I'd like to think no broadly. <laughs> Let's. Uh, there's probably time for one more question. Very interesting, eerily, sort of slightly ominous. If uh, <laughs> if. If Radio Did you get X an email from Dave. <laughs> <laughs> if Radio X canned you, industry jargon. Uh, if Radio X canned you tomorrow, can you imagine a scenario in which you would just do the podcast? Tell you what scenario I imagine, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> We're in for a scenario, ladies and gentlemen. Two words: bidding war. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's a good question. I absolutely think our first port of call would be uh, another radio station. Yeah. Because what is... I th- I think the reason the podcast is good and the reason the podcast is funny is because it comes ed- pre-edited because it's been broadcast as a radio show and it has to remain a radio show first and a podcast of that radio show and what we were very careful not to slip into is recording your podcast live on the radio because that's not fair because it's not when we go into work on a saturday that's not we're not making a podcast we're making a radio show that then very luckily gets put out as a podcast so it's it's great that we're sort of doing two things at once whereas i think if we were just sat it teaches here, you discipline uh, that's absolutely essential it would be like doing stand up in front of the mirror you can still, in theory, say the words out loud and remember stuff, but you're not getting that the tension that comes. Because in terms of, like, that moment with Ellis saying, mispronouncing Phuket and me making an inappropriate joke would not be funny on a podcast. It's funny because it's radio yeah, and because Dave is there. Of, and there's, there's yeah. tension. And, it, you know, if, if Ellis hands me a bit of paper and I've got to read out on a podcast and I pretend it's him... Denying the Holocaust. <laughs> That's not funny on a podcast. No. It's very funny if it's on national radio <laughs> and the guy who's handed it to you is the nicest yeah. man from Stockport you've ever met in your life. So, so much of the dynamic yes. is tied up in we, the fact it's radio. I think we've done enough that if we got sacked for whatever reason or they decided that they'd had enough of us, 
that another radio station would be interested, and then we would def- definitely do that. Could if- get could get headhunted. <laughs> no, um, what I'd, what, <laughs> what I what I'd say is um, before when, sort of sit three or four months in when we were having loads of fun, but it was still a very new thing. I used to think about this all the time, and I vowed then in 2014 that we would do a podcast or something. Now, I personally think we've moved on to the extent that another radio station would come in. For, for a, that said, my my favourite, which is which is absolutely what we, I would, I think we'd both want to do. That said, my favourite bit of the podcast is the is the, the the podcast introduction, the first ten minutes, because we've really loosened up, and that's just two friends talking, and. But would I want an hour of that? I don't know, actually. Um, so, to answer your question, we would definitely try and do something else. Absolutely. If Radio X, if Radio X cancelled it tomorrow, we wouldn't shake hands and go, "See you around." Yeah, because you'd you'd continue being an actor, and I would never leave my house. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming. Um, I forgot to organise anyone to take a picture of this, so to prove that it happened, if you have a mobile device and you fancy taking a picture, you could tweet it either at... What's, what's your Twitter handle for this show? At Ellis James. At Ellis James. At Nomadic Reverie. At Nomadic Reverie. I love that you just... Yep, that's what it is. Well, there's a guy who's taken at John Robbins. He hasn't tweeted in a year and a half. What a dick. But he um, does marathons, so he's one of those guys. <laughs> um, or you could tweet at ComComPod. Very final, quick, very quick question. And I'm, I'm trying this out, so I might cut it. <laughs> Don't do so that. I'm, just, I'm looking to all of the different cameras. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh we God. want them to be ca- candid. I'm asking oh, another question now. Can- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Um, very quick question, and it's, I might cut it if it doesn't work. It's a new one I'm trying out. If you had to uh, take on apprentices to replace yourselves, what would it most hurt you to see them doing five years from now? Oh, my God. Jesus Christ, Stu. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, presumably time for murder. Uh, <laughs> in terms of the legacy of the show, what, like, you know. What, if we had to replace ourselves? Yes. In a but it was still called the Ellis and John show. Yes. So we give someone else basically control of brand James Robbins. Yes. What do we not want to see it doing? Totally. Uh, advertising gambling is no, the true answer. Just the only thing I will not do. Uh, I would hate for it to be a really dumbed down thing. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't want to see them kowtowing to the man. He'd want to see them treat the regime with the same attitude that we do. No, but I occasionally think we need to, to dumb up a bit. Um, no, that doesn't make any sense. Um, no, but you, you know, mean, you you could you could some. It's a very strange but interesting um, question. You could you could take you could take a lot of goodwill and get rid of it very quickly. I think being mean... <laughs> that's a suggestion as a background being, plan that you where, no. where you could scuttle the podcast. Being mean, being, being mean, being mean would be the the because I think it's really and all that sort of stuff. I, I think it's really funny to be cutting and to be dry and to sort of pull the rug from under someone every so often, which we do to each other. But I think meanness, especially towards listeners or correspondents, would be would be. Yeah. It's fine to tease people. Um, you know those Facebook videos you see shared, and it's 
two like I think they're straight. I think two of them are Welsh actually, and they will. One of them will be asleep in his flat, and he'll be like, "Oh, look at this now!" And then he'll spew on him. Oh God! Have you seen this? <laughs> no. And then and then they were, don't was, know what you it, mean. And then he'll wake up and be like, "Have you bloody spewed on me?" And then, or like one of them will be running on a treadmill and he'll get tripped and he'll fall really heavily and he will have 39 million shares. And I just think, they strike me as hard work. <laughs> but, yeah, had I known that that was an option, the, the spewing on the man one, yeah. I'd, yeah, that if, I wouldn't want but anyone being is, sick but that on is, anyone that in my name. That is popular if you look at the Facebook shares. And that, that is something that, and I see it get shared all the time. I just think, God, that, I cannot stand that stuff. Whereas even though John takes a piss out of me, it's never, it's never mean-spirited. Which is There's never I'm... anything behind it. No. Whereas I think with, sometimes with people who do fall out, maybe it become, it just, everything becomes loaded. We're, ne- <laughs> we're, ne- we're, we're very rarely passive-aggressive. Mm. But quite often we speak in the language of passive-aggression. <laughs> so I might say, well, that's because you wasn't here on time. <laughs> but that, there's no actual little kind of stab underneath no. that. Thanks very much. Oh, that was a good answer oh. to a very wonky question. And uh, keep the merch website up <laughs> and uh, <laughs> keep, keep sending the money. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you can download this when the edited form goes out, um, as well as nearly 200 other episodes like, but not the same as it. Thanks very much. Cheers. Please give it up for John Robbins and Ellis James. Thank you very much. <laughs> So that was John and Ellis. Thank you so much to them. Uh, thank you to Matt for his logging, uh, legendary logging ability. Thank you to Daryl Smith for editing the show. Um, and thank you, of course, to Emily and Livy for their for logging other shows and not specifically this one. So thanks, everybody, as well. Um, for Soho Theatre, Matt was the, uh, the technician. Uh, and I believe Jade and Joe were on hand in the venue. And Rachel was uh, venue managing. And uh, who else? Paolo briefly popped down to help sort out the recording. So we've, uh, we've him to thank for, the, uh, for whatever Daryl has been able to do with levels and so forth. So I think that's everybody I could thank for this one. Um, and I really urge you to check their show out. Remember, we've got... Paul Jeremy on the 20th of February tickets available from SohoTheatre.com so get stuck into that Jeremy Hardy on the 8th of May Joe Brand on the 5th of June I will I concealed a burp there but that's no one's fault and I may even have got away with it but I've just absolutely blown amongst other things the gaff that's all of that um, thank you for listening and if you want to hang around we'll have a little chat in the postamble but that concludes the podcast for this week don't normally say that. Chucked it in. An original spin on a classic ending bit. Thank you. <sighs> so, bees. Now, this isn't a... <laughs> I've just... I've got a thing I've planned to talk about. And then I've just... I've seen on the wall as part of a, a Yankee swap. You might be familiar with the Yankee swap. It's a sort of advanced version of Secret Santa where you do Secret Santa and then you, as people open things, they can decide to either open a new one from the sort of randomised Secret Santa pool uh, or they can um, uh, they can steal something that's already been opened but it could get stolen from them. You can have a look at the details online. It's quite interesting. The details, the rules. Um, in a recent Yankee swap over Christmas, I won perfectly legally um uh, a print with a collection of british bees on it and there's different types of bees i'm not going to go into too much detail here um but there's a common carder bee a honeybee a red-tailed bumblebee this is quite a lot of detail a small garden bumblebee a 
pre-bumblebee and an early bumblebee. And check this out, right? They're all different shapes and colourings. And I never realised there was more than one sort of bee. That's not weird, is it? It's just, just bees, right? I mean, I just thought it was a, a bee. Which means that in the course of my life, whenever I've come across... I mean, now that I see there are different ones, I'm like, oh yeah, of course there are different ones. In the course of my life, whenever I've found a bee... <laughs> found, do you find a bee? Whenever I've come across a bee, uh, or a bee has come across me, I have looked at it... And obviously it has rewired my brain to think, oh, they all like, they all look like this. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> They've all, I've gone, oh, lovely bees. Uh, that's a bee. Oh, and, and obviously I've looked at him and gone, or her, oh, him, isn't it? Unless it's a queen. Is that right? Are they all male? God, I've not done the research. Um, but you come across a bee and you see it. And you go, oh, yeah, that's what all bees look like. And it wipes your memory of all the other bees you've seen. And you go, oh, yes, oh, they've got a white bit, haven't they? And then the next bee you see, different type of bee, and you go, oh, I, I thought they had a white bit. I can't have been paying attention. And so every time I wipe my own memory in order to believe... I mean, they're starting to sound like bees are some sort of Doctor Who creature who exists in, uh, in, exist in my memory. I mean, that's rambling even by my standards. Let's get on with what I was going to talk about, um, which is I'm choosing a wedding suit and we got our wedding rings, guys. Uh, spoiler alert, if you uh, haven't yet heard the album An Hour, we get back together. <laughs> and uh, that took place a few years ago now, the incident. So um, uh, we're getting ma- I'm totally getting married. And I hadn't really... I hadn't really... How should I put this? I'm excited to be getting married. Of course I am. But I sort of thought the wedding is... Like, getting married to someone, once you've got a baby, is sort of... Can I say this? By the by? Compared to the wonderful baby, right? So if you've got a problem with me saying by the by, you're saying it's more important than the baby, and I win. Um, Because it, it can't be. But you see my point... I, I thought, well, you know, let, we, we were engaged. That's exciting. Let's get engaged. We'll have a baby. Great. I'm not trying to weasel out of it. I'm very excited about it. But I've really just very recently become very excited about it. We got our rings from the ring maker and I tried it on and it's quite, um, uh, I felt funny doing it because I was like, oh, that's bad luck, isn't it? No, we're engaged now. So, you know, you can check it fits. And I uh, couldn't get it off. <laughs> sat in a cafe, had to borrow some washing up liquid. Um, Big knuckles, you see. But I had no idea I was going to be as excited about the idea as I am. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm sort of pleased. And, I'm, you know, we're, we're living together, spending our lives together and parenting and have a baby. It's a family unit. All of those things are wonderful kind of anyway. I just didn't think that, obviously, a ceremony will be a lot of fun. Um, but there's that's that kind of... Um, the legal aspect of it, I sort of was like, well, you know, it's by the by. It's not by the by. It's important. And check this out. I get half her stuff. That's how it works, right? I get half of her stuff. And she gets half of my stuff. But unlucky, mate, my stuff is next to worthless. What's she going to get? She's going to get some... She's going to... I'm looking at my stuff now. She's going to get some John Constantine Hellblazer graphic novels, uh, or half thereof. Um, she's going to get a, re- a very small remote control helicopter, by no means a drone, little sort of uh, 30 quid job. And the, uh, the savage irony there is she got me that for Christmas. Um, she gets to keep half of it now. She doesn't want it. She gets a board game collection she has no, <laughs> almost no interest in. She doesn't mind Agricola, if you know that complicated uh, 17th century medieval farming 
micromanagement board game. Terrific game. She likes it because uh, every harvest the little sheep have babies. So that <laughs> makes her very happy. So she just gets all this shit. And I get half of, like, a really good... I mean, she's got books. Listen to some of the books she's got. I don't, That's not fair. I don't want to tell everyone what books she's got. But they're proper. There's, uh, um, you know, Nick Cave, Irvin Welsh, Philip Roth, Ballard, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. They're the actual authors. She studied English, so she... These are proper. And I, half of them are going to be mine. <laughs> Great. I'm not going to read them. But um, it's nice to know they're there. <laughs> That's even better than having a book that you bought and didn't get round to. Is that, but it's yours. I, got, I didn't even buy them. And I don't have to get round. There's even less obligation to get round to them because I didn't get them. So I sort of, I kind of feel a bit sorry for her in some ways. <laughs> She's got a really good little setup here, and I've wormed my way in like a little. <laughs> I guess I've wormed my way in like a little cuckoo. Um, but uh, that's not what they do. But it's very exciting. So all, the, all this stuff, she's got a corner sofa. I'm sorry. We about to be, we're, we're about to have a corner sofa. I mean, that's, that is, uh, it's always been a dream of mine. I'm fairly sure she got it on my say so. And then I've snuck in and engaged her up, fiancéed her up. And now I get to, uh, I'm going to go sit on my half of our corner sofa. So listen, what I'm saying is, guys, try and get married. <laughs> it seems pretty great so far. Um, uh, it, there is a, an occasional documentary quality to these things. But anyway, I mean, look, look, obviously I'm being flippant. The point is, I'm so excited about it. I tried my ring on and I was looking at it going, oh, it's going to be there for the rest of my life. It's going to be there till I die. And I sort of looked at her and I thought, oh, she's going to be there till I die. <laughs> and that's, uh, I mean, till one of us, she's way healthier than me. So I, I think the odds are in her favour. And she's female as well. They get extra time, don't they? Seems seems fair. Um, God. Right. Well, listen, that's that. Um, was it worth it? I don't know. I'm quite, I'm quite excited about the idea of uh, getting loads of free stuff that I don't really want, but it'll be nice to have. So if you want to hear more of me droning on, but in a slightly better way um, with uh, a professional podcasting person uh, helping me talk better, um, you can listen to Tea with Alice. Tea with Alice is a podcast done by the brilliant Alice Rebecca Fraser, who is a fabulous one-liner comic. She's Australian, she's in the UK at the moment, and uh, she's done a TED Talk, which is excellent. You can look that up. Um, but she also does a podcast called Tea with Alice, and I was a guest of hers recently. That one's gone out, and I was, I'm talking about a peripheral thing to do with this podcast, so it may interest you. Um, so, that's that, and I'm going to go, uh, going to go and recline our legs. I was going to say my legs, but they're our legs now, aren't they? Only, like, my, my set, my share of our legs... I'm going to go and put them on uh, my half of our corner sofa. Happy days. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.